Greetings, my alien babies, and welcome to episode three of the Alien Babies podcast. I got a little piece of apple in my in my mouth. They say uh, right before you do podcasting or any kind of voiceover work, take a bite of an apple. That's why I got an apple right here, because last time you could hear a lot of mouth sucking on on the podcast. Boom. Oh, problem solved. Let's get a little intro music going, huh? Let's see which button was it. Which button? Right here. That's enough of that. If you got any intro music for your alien boy, send it my way because I definitely need my own intro music. That'd be uh, really cool. Um, yeah, if you make beats, songs, you got something cool you think I might like that might be a good fit for the Alien Babies podcast, you let me know, okay? What do you guys think of the setup for the people uh, listening in that can't see it on YouTube? I got some sexy green lighting going on to the left of me. I, um, what else did I do? Oh, and this week I got a sexy burgundy robe, a little Hugh Hefner action. Check that out. Huh? What do you think? Can you see? I got some chest hair coming in. This robe is actually pretty hot. So I might have to cut off an inner layer out of it because it's like double layered. And damn, your alien boy is starting to get sweaty. Well, not yet, but I'm starting to get a little toasty. Starting to get a little toasty. Hmm. Probably should have checked the news today to see what's going on. But that's okay. Give this apple a little lick. Because I feel like I'm smacking. The audio's okay. Trying to improve it every week. And, um, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. So I'm going to take a sip of uh, espresso. If I can reach it. So here's what I'm planning on doing, actually. I'm, I'm going to do this podcast for about an hour or so. And right after, I'm going to jump on Alien Babies Podcast Live. So if you want to join me on a live podcast, I'll answer some, I'll answer some questions live. I'm going to go on TikTok Live at Alientainment. And I'll also at the same time go on Instagram Live at Arthur Alien. So follow me on Instagram. And I'll be checking comments and answering questions, UFO, paranormal, ghost, entrepreneurial stuff, business, marketing, life, following your dreams, stuff like that. But if you just want to come on, talk about UFOs, we can do that. And the other cool thing about the Instagram Live is 
I might even do some live video chats. So if you want to come on, do a live video call. Um, you want to be on the Alien Babies podcast, then uh, tune in on Instagram live. I don't know what time I'm going to do these podcasts. Maybe Sundays. If the you know the past two weeks I've been doing it, I've been filming this on a Sunday, so that might be the the go to day. I'm really not sure, and I don't know what time. I don't know what time it is. That I don't know what time I'm going to be filming these podcasts yet. Uh, it's very random. Very random. Today it took me like I don't even know what three four hours to set set this up. Just trying to figure out the perfect ISO, the perfect lighting, the wardrobe. Mainly the lighting I was messing around with, trying to figure out what looks the best. And, um, and yeah, episode three, we're doing it. So not only am I going to be on TikTok Live answering questions I'm going to be on, which I'm excited for, which is cool. It's a lot easier than sitting here by yourself, talking to yourself, trying to, you know, make this entertaining and trying to figure out what to say. At the same time, TikTok Live, Instagram Live, Facebook Live on the Alien Babies Podcast Facebook page. I'll be on there, possibly checking comments, probably checking comments. And at the same time, I will also be on YouTube Live. And I don't think it's going to be on the Alien Babies Podcast YouTube channel. Only because I've heard rumors that when you go live on YouTube, it it lowers your reach, your organic reach. Less people get to see your videos. Maybe YouTube doesn't like you live streaming. I don't know. Don't know if that's true. But if anybody knows, drop it down in the comments. Then if you have any more information about that. So I'm a little skeptical about going live on the Alien Babies podcast YouTube channel. But I will go live on my one of my other, many other YouTube channels, Arthur Alien. So I'll post the, and that's just like a ran, random YouTube channel, which is a bunch of random videos, UF, live UFO hunting videos that I've done over the past couple of years, other filmmaking videos, other random stuff that I've filmed and done. So I just kind of just throw random videos on there that kind of don't fit anywhere else, you know, so to speak. So I'll probably live stream the Alien Babies podcast live on the Arthur Alien YouTube channel. And at the same time, live streaming on Twitch. And my Twitch handle is hi, H-I, hi, Arthur Alien. And yeah, I think that's it. TikTok Live, IG Live, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch. So, yeah, tune in. If you want if you would like to be on the Alien Babies podcast, if you would like to be a guest and do a video call, um you you can do so. More than likely, just reach out, DM me, send me an email at Alien Babies Podcast. Send me a message, leave it down in the comments, whatever you want to do. But uh, let me know, you know. Uh, let's see. 
I'm going to figure out my own sound effects soon that I can add to this thing, this Rodecaster Pro. But for now, I'm going to use the stock uh, sound effects that came with it. Boom. Little applause. My favorite sound effect on here currently is this creepy one. For good reason. Because this is a paranormal, creepy uh, podcast. Not only paranormal and creepy, but, you know, we're going to talk about marketing and life and advertising and getting your business going and how to quit your nine to five job and follow your dreams. Excuse me. And follow your dreams and what that's all about. So, okay, let's just get into it. Enough BSing around. Last week, I read an article from this ghost hunting. Let's get the thumbnail. Boom. Actually, which way? Boom. Maybe that way or maybe this way. I don't know. Boom. Get that for the thumbnail. Okay. So last week, I read an article from this really cool ghost hunting magazine. True Tales of the Paranormal. So I read an article about, let's see, can objects be haunted? That's what I, that's what I spoke about last time. This week, let's see, I wanted to get into, can objects be haunted? And the short answer is yes. Yes, they can be haunted. see what else we got in here. I should probably start wearing my contacts when I do these uh, podcasts so I can read a little bit easier. Curses and superstitions. The search for other paranormal phenomena. There's a, a picture of a Loch Ness monster, alleged Loch Ness monster picture in here if you can see that and I have the same picture of the Loch Ness Monster up on my UFO wall right here actually I don't know if you can see him do I have the alien in the way this week can't see might be it's right here by the candle hmm maybe I can move him over a little bit I feel like he's blocking And move him over without knocking everything over. There you go. You probably see it now. Okay. But yeah, I got a little Loch Ness monster up on my UFO wall right here. Ooh, how about this? This is good timing. The haunted history of Halloween. Since Halloween's coming up. Long before it was a day filled with candy, Halloween was Samhain, an ancient Celtic festival for their new year, which starts on the evening of October 31st. Celtics, I'm sorry, Celts, 
or Celts, a group of tribes dating back as early as 1200 BCE in Western Europe, lived primarily in Ireland and Great Britain. They believed that the ghosts of the dead could return to Earth. During the festival, people would wear costumes of animal skins and burn crops and animals on huge bonfires as sacrifices to their gods in the hopes of an easy winter and bountiful summer. Damn. I hope they don't burn I hope they didn't sacrifice those animals alive. Ah man, what a painful way to go. Um as the summer wait, as the Romans conquered Europe, they merged two of their own festivals into Samhain. Or is it Samhain? Feralia, the Roman day of honoring the dead, and Pomona the day honoring the goddess of fruit and trees, whose symbol was orchard fruits. As, Christia as Christianity spread, let me get a little closer for story time, for a little Halloween history, for all you people that love Halloween. Now, Halloween's dope, man. Halloween's dope. Uh, leave a comment below. Here's a challenge. Leave a comment below. What you think my Halloween costume should be this should be this year? Should I do something from the X Files? Should I be Fox Mulder? Should I be? And should my Australian girlfriend be Dana Scully? Should I be Han Solo? And should my Australian girlfriend be Princess Leia? Drop it down in the comments. What do you think I should be for Halloween this year? What would you like to see? I do have. I do have a cool Halloween, um, I, I did buy a, a Halloween uh, alien mask that I'm going to wear and pull up to drive throughs with this alien mask. Actually, hold on, you want to see it? Just plug this bad boy back in. Okay, we live? We live. Okay. So check out this alien mask. Check that out. This is Area 51 on the tag. I got this from Party City. Let's see. Maybe this will be the thumbnail. Let's see. Let's get a good thumbnail going. Maybe right here. Let's see. Is there any light? How about that? <laughs> but yeah. Goes right over your head, all around the front, the top, the back. So, I'm going to film the first episode of Alien Drive-Thru, maybe this week, and 
sometime this month before Halloween, I'm going to put it on, drive up to some drive throughs order some food. My alien prop is going to be sitting next to me, and we're just going to pull up and record, you know, a 10-minute or so YouTube video, kind of like the Hodge Twins, how they do with their drive through food eating videos. Because I'm always driving around with my alien prop, so I figured, why not? Why not uh, film some YouTube videos, pulling up to some drive throughs and getting some food? Where were we? As Christianity spread, All Souls Day on November 2nd became a celebration honoring the dead. Because of its similarities to Samhain, drop it down in the comments if I'm saying that correctly, is it Samhain or Samhain? Many believe it was an attempt to replace that Celtic festival. All Saints Day, which falls on November 1st and celebrates all the church's saints, was also called All Hallows, coming from the Middle English word for the holiday, All Hallowmas, hence the the night before, bro, what is this article saying? Hence the night before became All Hallows Eve and then Halloween. As immigrants came to America, they brought Halloween traditions with them. The Jekyll Lantern was originally an Irish and Scottish custom of carving potatoes and turnips into scary faces to keep evil spirits away. The English brought the tradition of giving soul cakes to the poor in exchange for their prayers on All Souls Day, and this evolved into trick-or-treating. As Halloween's popularity grew, the holiday became more about merrymaking and the parties we know and love today. Hmm. Is it just me or when you read something, an article, a book, and immediately right after you read it, if some, whoa, I just slipped. And if somebody was like, hey, explain to me what you just read. Give me the facts. What was that article about? And then you have no idea. <laughs> like, if somebody was like, hey, Arthur, what, what did you just read? Give us all the facts. What did you just learn? I'm going to be like, well, for starters, the article is about how Halloween, what was the title? Let me see. How Halloween became, right? The haunted history of Halloween. And uh, something about the Celts or the Celts. I don't, don't even know how to pronounce it. Uh, pfft, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't even know what to tell you, but hopefully you guys understood better than I did. Anyway, so. But yeah, man. Halloween's coming up. Is Halloween a thing this year or what? What's going on? What's going on with COVID? What are we going to call it this year? COVID or treat? Trick or COVID? How about that? Trick or COVID? Treat or COVID? COVID or treat? I don't know. 
So, let's see. If you want to be a real, true alien baby, you got to buy some Alien Babies merch, which uh, website Outhouse Alien for the Alien Babies merch for the Alien Babies is launching soon. So if you want to be a true alien baby, you got to support the podcast. If you'd like. Only if you'd like. Um, one of the alien babies wanted me to talk about Skinwalker Ranch on the podcast. And so that's what I'm going to do right now. If I can find uh, Firefox, there it is. Let's type it in. Because I don't know all the facts about Skinwalker Ranch. But I have seen a couple videos. I have not seen the documentary. If you've seen the documentary, drop it down in the comments. Let me know how it was. Let's see. Wikipedia. How about we check out Wikipedia? There we go. Skinwalker Ranch. What is it? And does it have a lot of skin? And does the skin walk? Skinwalker Ranch, also known as Sherman Ranch is a property located on approximately 512 acres. That's 207 hectares, if I'm saying that correctly, southeast of the Ballard, Utah, that is reputed to be the site of paranormal and UFO-related activities. Its name is taken from the Skinwalker of Navajo legend concerning vengeful Vengeful Shaman. Background. UFO reports in the Uinta Basin were publicized during the 1970s. Claims about the ranch first appeared in 1996 in the Salt Lake City, Utah, Deseret News, and later in the alternative weekly Los Angeles Mercury as a series of articles by investigative journalist George Knapp. He, George Knapp has recently appeared on the Joe Rogan podcast. So if you want to check that out, they talk about UFOs. Jeremy Corbell also joined them on that podcast. I feel like I'm hearing some mouth smacks. Let's see if that helps. The apple. These early stories detailed the claims of a family that allegedly experienced inexplicable and frightening events after they purchased and occupied the property. Yeah, I, re um, I remember one thing that happened that they claimed. I saw a video from the Skinwalker Ranch. I guess the owner or whoever was walking around telling some of the stories. So he claims that one day, now correct me if I'm getting this wrong, 
But one day he found his cows, or bulls, a bunch of them, I don't know how many, at least two, jammed and crammed into, let me get close for this, because this is crazy. Now we're getting crazy. He found his gigantic bulls, right? Or cows. I think there were bulls. I could be wrong. Inside of a, a small, I don't even know what it was, like a shed. Kind of like a, this kind of, like a shed, let's say. And I believe that it's impossible for those bulls to get in there. Because there's a small door that only fits a human. No, that can't be right. Because how did he get the bulls out? That can't be right. There's some kind, I'm sure there's a big door that gets that can get a bull in there, but I guess what he was saying was anybody that knows bulls knows how impossible and difficult it would be to get them to go inside of a small shed. Re anyway, regardless, the shed was tiny. The bulls were jam-packed in there. The owner finds the bulls the next day. Just dumbfounded how they even got in there. It's like virtually impossible. So I'm probably butchering the story, but what I thought of when I heard. Hold on, let me just restart my video here. What I heard, what I thought of when I heard about this. I was like, okay, so are you saying that the bulls were teleported inside of this container? Because it sounds like that's the only possible way they could have gotten in there. Well, maybe not the only possible way, but I guess the most prob one of the most probable ways that, you know, I could think of during the moment, but that's what it sounded like. I'm like straight up. It sounded like the bulls were teleported by UFOs or aliens inside this giant or small shed container thing. So I don't know, man. Do you, what do you guys think? Do you believe in the whole Skinwalker Ranch story? I, uh, there was a, a 24 hour or, or 12 hour live stream video of the Skinwalker Ranch. I think earlier this year, a few months ago, maybe. And um, I don't know if they caught anything weird in the skies, any weird footage. But I believe for a few seconds, there was something weird, a little, little orb flying around or something like that. But I don't I'm, I don't believe they caught anything too significant in the footage. Cole McKelleher and co Author George Knapp subsequently authored a book in which they described the ranch being acquired by the National Institute for Discovery Science to study anecdotal sightings of UFOs. Bigfoot-like creatures, crop circles, glowing orbs, and poltergeist activity reported by its former owners. Interesting. Paranormal Reputation, the ranch located in West Uintah County, bordering the UT Indian Reservation, 
And I guess if you know anything about Indian reservations, they're pretty, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to say haunted, but there's a lot of spirits, right? Was popularly dubbed the UFO Ranch due to its ostensible 50-year history of odd events said to have taken place there. According to Kelleher and Knapp, they saw or investigated evidence of close to 100 incidents that include vanishing and oh, and mutilated cattle, sightings of unidentified flying objects or orbs, large animals with piercing red eyes that they say were unscathed when struck by bullets. Wow, that's crazy. And invisible objects emitting destructive magnetic fields. Among those involved were retired U.S. Army Colonel John B. Alexander, who characterized the NID psi effort as an attempt to get hard data using a standard scientific approach. You lost me already. However, the investigators admitted to difficulty obtaining evidence consistent with scientific publication. Okay. Cattle mutilations have been part of the folklore of the surrounding area for decades. When Ned Tsai founder billionaire Robert Bigelow purchased the ranch for $200,000. Oh, that's it. This was reportedly the result of his being convinced by the stories of mutilations that included tales of strange lights and unusual impressions made in grass and soil told by the family of former ranch owner Terry Sherman. In 1996, a skeptic, James Randi, awarded Bigelow a Pegasus Award for funding the purchase of the ranch and for supporting Harvard, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Okay. So that's kind of the gist of Skinwalker Ranch according to uh, Wikipedia. But let me see if there's like a little bit of a better, better article here. How Skinwalker Ranch became a hotbed of paranormal activity by Adam Janos. Some have called it a super natural place. Others have deemed it cursed. Terry Sherman got so spooked by the happenings on his new cattle ranch that 18 months after moving his family of four to the property known as, known by many as, Skinwalker Ranch. In northeastern Utah, he sold the 512-acre parcel away. He and his wife Gwen shared their chilling experiences with a local reporter in June 1996. They'd seen mysterious mysterious crop circles, the Shermans said, and UFOs. And the systematic and repeated mutilation of their cattle in an oddly surgical and bloodless manner. Yeah, they found these cattle without blood, no blood left. Uh, no blood in the grass, oh, excuse me, in the surrounding area, no blood. Where did the blood go? Was it sucked out of them? Were they taken up in a, in a UFO or spaceship? 
or by the government, who knows, all the blood drained for God knows who knows what reason. Maybe the aliens feed off of the blood. Maybe somebody's just playing a sick prank. Maybe they drink blood. Maybe it's vampires. I have no clue. Within three months of the story's publication, Las Vegas real estate magnate and UFO enthusiast Robert Bigelow bought the property for $200,000. Under the name National Institute for Discovery Science, Bigelow set up around-the-clock surveillance of the ranch, hoping to get to the bottom of the paranormal claims. But while that surveillance yielded a book, Hunt for the Skinwalker Ranch, I'm sorry, Hunt for the Skinwalker, Science Confronts the Unexplained at a Remote Ranch in Utah, is the name of the book, in which several of the researchers claimed to have seen paranormal activity Activities, they were unable to capture any meaningful physical evidence supporting the Sherman Sherman's incredible stories. I wonder what that is. I wonder what, what that's about. Maybe the UFOs know that they're being recorded so they don't show up. Maybe they know whatever it is, it's being recorded. So it's not going to give you the satisfaction of getting it on, on video. That's very likely. The ranch was resold to... Adamantium Real Estate, which has since applied to trademark the name Skinwalker Ranch. Let me get a little bit, let me get the footage a little bit closer for this. We're getting, getting crazy here. Oh, let's zoom in a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Get a little zoom action on the lens. Had the Shermans been lying about what they saw? or under the spell of a collective delusion. Without evidence, the stories they told are difficult to believe, but they're hardly unique. The Uinta Basin of eastern Utah has been such a hotbed of paranormal sightings over the years that some extraterrestrial enthusiasts have deemed it UFO Valley. In quote, you can't throw a rock in South in southern Utah without hitting somebody who's been abducted. Wow. Local filmmaker Trent Harris told the Deseret News. Damn, that's crazy, man. All the, it's a lot of people being abducted in uh, Utah, huh? Wonder what that's about. Indeed, according to Hunt for the Skinwalker, odd objects have been spotted overhead since the first European explorers arrived. In 1776, that's a long time ago, Franciscan missionary Silvestre Vélez de Escalante wrote about strange fireballs appearing over his campfire in El Rey. And before the Europeans, of course, indigenous peoples occupied the Uinta Basin. Today, Skinwalker Ranch, abuts, what, what kind of word is that? A-B-U-T-S, abuts the Uinta and our, oh crap, what are these words? Uray, O-U-R-A-Y, Uray, Indian Reservation of the U-T tribe. Were the Shermans seeing things that nearby Native Americans had taken note of centuries before? 
Very possible. Not everything the Shermans saw on their ranch was skyborne UFOs. They also claimed to see mysterious, large animals, most notably a wolf three times the size of a normal wolf that Terry shot at close range multiple times with a rifle to seemingly no effect. Then, on the night of March 12, 1997, after the ranch had been sold off, biochemist Colm Kelleher, working with Bigelow's National Institute for Discovery Science, claimed to see a large humanoid creature spying on the research team from a tree. I gotta get the, I gotta get the sound effect for that one. Bro, what? That's, that's so crazy. I believe it. Based on the stuff that I've seen flying around in the sky, uh, I have no reason to doubt these people or the story. Like, that's so crazy. Imagine that. That's so spooky. As he detailed in Hunt for the Skinwalker, the creature was approximately 50 yards away, watching the team safely from a tree perch. 20 feet off the ground, the large creature that lay motionless, it was so what, it was laying down, almost casually, damn, maybe he was wearing a sexy burgundy bathrobe like I am, in the tree, said Kelleher, the only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes as they stared fixedly back into the light. What? After Kelleher fired at the creature with a rifle, it disappeared. It was then that I saw it. A single, obvious, oval track about six inches in diameter embedded deeply in the patch of snow. It looked unusual. A single large print in the snow with two sharp claws protruding from the rear of the mark going a couple of inches deeper. It almost looked like a bird of prey, maybe a raptor print, but huge and from the depth of the print from a very heavy creature. My question is, could it have been a big-ass owl? Is that possible? Could it be a big-ass owl? Apparently some of those owls get really, really big and they got some piercing eyes. Repeated sightings of human-like creatures that have led to some have led some to invoke the name Skinwalker, a shape-shifting character from Navajo tribal folklore. Among the Navajo, Skinwalkers are like werewolves, evil witches who can transform themselves into the creatures of their choosing. But Sherman's family ranch was 400 miles north of Navajo Nation. It was next to UT territory. And when the UTs and the Navajo did cross paths, it was an acrimonious relationship, explains historian Sandra Jones, author of Being and Becoming UT. And in quotes, it was not friendly, Jones says. The Navajo were more aggressive people. They took slaves. They had UT slaves. And there was direct conflict when the Navajo attempted to move up into UT territory at modern-day Pagosa Springs and Durango. Cursed water, cursed lights. 
While skinwalkers don't feature in UT religion, there are still aspects of the ranch that make sense within the context of UT lore. Other strange, strange sightings have occurred directly next door at Bottle Hollow, a 420-420-acre man-made reservoir on UT land abutting the ranch, which was filled with fresh water in 1970 by federal government mandate. Hmm, the feds getting involved. Makes you wonder why. In 1998, a police officer, officer saw a large light plunge into the reservoir and then re-emerge, re re flying off into the night sky. One night in 2002, four young, non-Indian, men standing on the reservoir's shoreline saw a blue-white ball enter the artificial lake. According to the Hunt for Skinwalker, the glowing ball dove into the water just a few feet from the shore, then emerged seconds later in a new form, a shimmer, shimmering, maneuverable, belt-shaped shaft of light. What? What does that even mean? A belt-shaped shaft of light. Huh. The appearance of the supernatural around... Wait a minute. Uh, after hold up. After performing a brief, a brief, writhing aerial dance, the belt of light zipped away at a high rate of speed, hugging the ground before disappearing below the top of Skinwalker Ridge. The appearance of the supernatural around Bottle Hollow makes sense with the context of UT belief. According to Jones, amongst the UTs, springs and certain waterways were reservoirs of negative power. There were evil spirits or evil sprites that would rise up out of the water and drag you in. Whoa. That's crazy. Imagine, imagine some kind of creature popping out of the water and dragging you in there with it. Uh, no thank you. I am good on that. Man, what do you guys think? What do you guys think about Skinwalker Ranch? Do you believe that stuff? Um, I mean, I have to believe it. Did they see a creature in the trees? Probably. What was it? We don't know. They don't know. Could it be something explained? Explainable? You know? Uh, a, a big owl? Some other kind of possibly undiscovered creature? Maybe. Maybe. But drop it down in the comments. Let me know. Best comment gets a pin. Yeah, man. I would actually love to go to Skinwalker Ranch and check it out for myself. What do you guys think about the sexy burgundy uh, bathrobe, though? Is it nice? It was like $30 on Amazon. There was another silky smooth um, red bathrobe. 
uh, I forget what the brand was, some some website, but that it was like three hundred dollars, and I wasn't about to invest. And I found this sexy little Hugh Hefner robe. It's huge though; it's a large, but it's more like a three X. It's crazy. But um, but yeah, so been podcasting for forty four minutes, and uh, you're right after this. I'm planning on hopping on TikTok Live, IG Live answer some questions. That should be a lot of fun. And um, let's see if I can get one more article in here. I see another UFO article that's being suggested to me. This, uh, This should be really good. Check this out. What really happened at Roswell? That should be, that should be interesting. How long is this though? Uh, damn, that's a really long article. I don't know. Do you guys get bored if I read the whole thing? Or do you want me to read the whole thing? And by the way, uh, the infamous picture of the black and white photo of the two officers looking through alleged uh, UFO, Brig General Roger M. Ramey, Commanding General of 8th Air Force and Colonel Thomas J. DuBose, 8th Air Force Chief of Staff, identify metallic fragments found near Roswell, New Mexico. And that and that was a description of a black and white photo of them looking through alleged scraps from a UFO. And I'm looking at it. It looks like a bunch of weird tinfoil, very... A very thin material, metallic, looks very flimsy, all cut up, and something else that looks like a black um, piece of fur. might not be fur, but that's just what it kind of looks like in the photo. And it looks like a big dog, a black, some kind of black material, might not, it's probably not fur, but. It's very strange. Very, very odd. And I actually have one of those infamous, can you see on the in the video footage on my UFO wall, Disc Craze Continues. It's a it's the one of the famous uh, newspaper articles from the Roswell crash. It shows one of those generals uh, holding up a piece of the alleged material that they recovered from the craft and I have an the infamous Roswell Daily Record a new a copy of the newspaper article RAAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region and so I bought I bought that from from somebody on Etsy they were selling a uh, high resolution prints and uh, printed it out. It's right here. We have a, some Bob Lazar stuff here. Half Bob Lazar's face, half alien face. We have the moon landing, some pictures from there. We have the Mothman pictures. Uh, TR-3B UFO craft picture. Lots of UFO stuff. Some Mothman, some Loch Ness Monster. Moon landing. Um, Bob Lazar drawing of a ufo craft got that so yeah another r a 
yeah, another article here that's in black and white, just a copy of that one. But um, let's see. What really happened at Roswell? Let's find out. In the annals, what? Bro, I swear, whoever writes these articles, man, you're hilarious. It says in the, I can't, I can't, how do you even read that? The annals, A-N-N-A-L-S, the annals, the annals of American UFO, <laughs> UFO history. In the annals of American UFO history, few incidents have inspired as much fascination and speculation as the one in Roswell, New Mexico. It began in the summer of 1947 at the dawn of the Cold War when the U.S. Army Air Forces sent out a shocker of a press release announcing they'd recovered a flying disc, in quotes, from a, from a ranch near Roswell. More than 70 years later, the incident remains a defining aspect of the area's identity. The town boasts a UFO museum and research center, a flying saucer-inspired McDonald's. <laughs> okay. Is Ronald McDonald is a yellow? I want to know if the UFO is yellow and red. And it's got Ronald McDonald's face on it. Alien-themed streetlights. Ooh, I've never seen that. That's cool. Even an extraterrestrial family stranded in a broken-down UFO on the side of state. Route 285, looking for a jump start. God damn, I love that. I love that. How dope is that? More places should be like that. Should embrace UFO culture. Should have some dope UFOs. I want to know, where is the UFO nightclub? Where is the alien-themed UFO space nightclub in New York? Pennsylvania, Miami, where's it at? If I had the bread and the dough, somebody sponsor me, give me half a million dollars or whatever it costs. Let me build a nightclub that's UFO inspired, alien inspired. Yeah, like a half, like a half a million dollars or a million dollars. We can build something insane. And new ones are still emerging. Here are the agreed here are the agreed-upon facts about the Roswell crash. Sometime between mid-June and early July 1947, rancher W.W. Mac Brazel found wreckage on his sizable property in Lincoln County, New Mexico, approximately 75 miles north of Roswell. Lost my place. North of Roswell, several, several flying disc and flying saucer, in quotes, stories had been, had already appeared in the national press that summer, leading Brazel to believe the wreckage, which included rubber, rubber strips, tinfoil, and thick paper, might be something of that ILK, ilk, is that a word? He brought, those are weird, those are weird, um, objects. Wouldn't, don't you agree? Those sound man-made, like it's, uh, some kind of weird balloon. If these are, in fact, the actual th things that they found. Rubber strips, tinfoil, and thick paper? 
Is that all you found, though? That's, that's so weird. There's got to be more. There's got, they, they have to have found more than that. 100%. Which included rubber... Okay, well, what else did you find? What, uh, any bodies? Any some some kind of engine, some kind of other pieces, something metallic, some kind of propulsion system? Like it can't just be thick paper, tin foil, and rubber strips. What are you talking about? He brought some of the material to Sheriff George. Yeah, what'd you do with the rest of the material? To Sheriff George Wilcox of Roswell, who in turn brought it to the attention of Colonel William Blancard, the commanding officer of the Roswell Army Field. And that's the R-A-A-F. Roswell Army Airfield. Okay, cool, cool. The next day, RAF, R-A-A-F, released a statement writing that, in quotes, many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force Roswell Army Airfield, bro, what, <laughs> was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office of Chavez County. Or is it Chaves? I want to say Ch Chavez. Sounds cooler. According to that statement, Major Jesse Marcel, an intelligence officer, oversaw the RAF's investigation of the crash site and the recovered materials. The government changed its story about Roswell Saucer a few times. Why would they do that? Why would they change it a few times? Why would they change it at all? The following day, the Roswell Daily Record ran a story about the crash and the RAF's astonishing claim. But U.S. Army officials quickly reversed themselves on the flying saucer, in quotes, claim, stating that the found debris was actually from a weather balloon, releasing photographs of Major Marcel posing with pieces of the supposed weather balloon debris as proof. And the title of the newspaper article, Disc Craze Continues. And this is the same newspaper clipping that I have on my board back here. Army, wow, play on words. Army Disc, D-I-S-K dash O-U-N-T-S. Army Discounts, New Mexico Find as Weather Gear. Bro, I don't know. I don't know why you come out initially and say it's a... It's a saucer, it's a flying disc, and then say it's a weather, it's weather gear, it's a weather balloon. I mean, I, I just don't know. I, I just, I don't know, man. So this photograph is a photograph of Jesse Marcel, the head intelligence officer who initially investigated and recovered some of the debris from the Roswell site in the Corsicana Daily Sun, July 9th, 1947. For decades, actually, drop it down in the comments. Do you smell a conspiracy? Do you smell a cover-up? For decades, many UFO researchers were skeptical of the government's 
changed account, and in 1994, the U.S. Air Force released a report in which they conceded that the weather balloon, in quotes, story had been bogus. According to the 1994 explanation, the wreckage came from a spy device created for an until then classified project called Project Mogul. The device, a connected string of high-altitude balloons equipped Man, how far has technology come that back then a, a spy device was a gigantic-ass balloon, a bunch of balloons equipped with microphones <laughs> That's like a, that sticks out like a sore thumb in the sky, and now you could have, you know, they make like microscopic flies that they can uh, control and they have microphones on them. Equipped with microphones, was designed to float furtively over the USSR, detecting sound waves at a stealth distance. These balloons would ostensibly monitor the Soviet government's attempt attempts at testing their own atomic bomb. Because Project Mogul was a covert operation, the new report claimed a false explanation of the crash was necessary to prevent giving away details of their spy work. Hmm, interesting. I guess that could be real and plausible. Other elements of the Roswell story, namely that some eyewitnesses claimed that there were alien bodies taken from the site, were explained as fallen parachute test dummies in a more extensive follow-up report in 1997. Bro, how do you not know the difference between alien bodies and and test dummies? I don't know, man. I don't know what to believe. It's fishy. It's weird. Doesn't make sense. Roger Lanius, Lanius, I don't know, a historian and retired curator for the Division of Space History at the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum, says those two reports close close most of the remaining questions about Roswell. In quotes, this story has been resolved. Launius says, in quotes, has absolutely every question been answered? I can't say that. But I'm not sure that there are significant holes. Oh, yeah? In quotes, you do not divulge state secrets in the context of national security. My surmise is they probably saw the initial flying saucer explanation as a useful cover story. Donald Schmidt, a U.S. researcher who has spent nearly three decades investigating the Roswell incident and is the co-founder of the International UFO Museum and Research Center in Roswell says that explanation makes little sense. The flying saucer, in quotes, story, he contends, was so ostentatious that it was bound to draw attention to the area, which, which, okay, the, as the sentence just ends there, and given sensitive military operations at the time, that would seem highly counter to the interests of the War Department. The War Department, damn. 
In quotes, two hours west of Roswell, the first atomic bomb was detonated. Detonated. You had ongoing atomic research at Los Alamos, Bob Lazar. Um, you had all this testing of captured German V-2 rockets at White Sands. And at Roswell, you had the first atomic bomb squadron headquartered, Schmidt says. The thought that they would have intentionally set up any type of publicity as a distraction... Question mark. If anything, they needed less attention. Okay. Maybe they needed less attention, but they got more attention. There's more to the article I'll read in a second. I just gotta just gotta wet my whistle with um with a little bit of this espresso. See so what do you guys think so far? Roswell cover a Roswell cover up or was it just a weather balloon uh, want to know what I think I'm gonna go out on a tentacle and say that they probably record re- uh, they probably recovered an alien craft. But I think it's also possible that it was just a weather balloon and they, that they were dumb as shit and couldn't tell the difference between an alien craft and a weather balloon. Or maybe they did want more attention, but apparently they wanted less attention. Uh, so I don't know, man. If you comprehend the article better than me, drop it down in the comments. Give me your analysis of, you know, what you think really is going on logically from the facts. If, you know, it's hard to say what is fact or fiction here, but, and if if anyone has a really good description of their opinion of the Roswell, New Mexico crash. And if it's really good, I'll maybe I'll read it on the next podcast. So drop it in the comments, DM me, whatever you want to do. But uh, let me know your take on this. Was Roswell's UFO from the USSR? Another questionable theory advanced by the book Area 51 and Uncensored History of America's Top secret military base states that the crashed flying vehicle was neither extraterrestrial nor the work of U.S. spies. <gasps> Excuse me. Rather, it was an unconventional, and you know, you know me and my alien babies, I love unconventional stuff. It was an unconventional plan to induce a widespread American panic implemented by the Soviet strongman Joseph Stalin. Whoa. An unmanned source, sorry, an unnamed source who worked as an engineer at Area 51 for the defense contractor EGNG told the book's author Annie Jacobson, a veteran national security journalist and Pulitzer Prize nominee, that the program had been designed by Nazi by Nazi 
concentration camp, Dr. Joseph Mengil, Mengil, according to the source, adolescent children were deformed by the Soviets to resemble aliens and then deployed in an aircraft to fly over New Mexico. Bro, what do you mean deformed? Adolescent children were deformed how? In what way? According to this book, Stalin's plan was for the children to climb out and be mistaken for visitors from Mars. Dude, I hope that's not true. That's horrible. Why would you do that to somebody? You're going to deform adolescent children to make them look like aliens? Yo, there's something wrong with you. Panic would ensue. At least put a costume on them. Like, come on. You don't have to do all that. And America's early warning radar system would be overwhelmed with sightings of other UFOs. Bro, I really hope they didn't do that to kids. This this is a sick world, man. Like straight up, what is wrong with humans? This is why this is a prime this is a great example of why I claim to be an alien. Cause of stuff like this that humans do. Like, come on, man. We're better than that. Aren't we? Aren't we better than that? I would hope so. That theory could go some way in explaining the wreckage described by Jesse Marcel Jr., the son of the intelligence officer named in the initial press report. According to Marcel Jr.'s book, The Roswell Legacy, his father brought some of the UFO wreckage home, allowing his son to handle the debated debris before he took it to the base. Wow. So some kid was allowed to handle the debris from a supposed UFO. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Marcel Jr. wrote that the material was metallic and I could see what looked like writing. At first I thought of Egyptian hieroglyphics, but there was no animal outlines or figures. They weren't mathematical figures either. They were more like geometric symbols, squares, circles, triangles, pyramids, and the like. Marcel Jr. was 11 years old at the time. Okay, so you gave an 11-year-old uh, alleged UFO wreckage material to mess around with and play with. Cool, man. Was 11 years old at the time. The Cold War was just beginning. And the young boy... Oh, and beginning. Could the young boy have been reading the Cyrillic alphabet for the first time, allowing his imagination to do the rest? Uh, for sure. I mean, he's 11 years old, you know? On this, Schmidt and Launius agree it's not likely. There's no evidence in any Soviet archives that there were such experiments as this, says Launius. And if the intent was to generate panic, it failed utterly miserably. Interesting. What do you guys think? Drop it down in the comments. Man. I really hope they didn't deform that kid, man. That'd be that'd be horrible.
Well, well, my alien babies, I think that we'll just about wrap up uh, this podcast episode. So if you tuned in this long, thank you very much. I appreciate you. I love you. You're amazing. Go to YouTube at Alien Babies Podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Probe that like button and hit that subscribe button. Go to Alien Babies Facebook page at Alien Babies Podcast. Uh, DM me some questions, tweet me your questions that you would like answered on the next episode of Alien Babies Podcast. Uh, my Twitter is Hi Arthur Alien, H-I as in Hi Arthur Alien. And go to AlienBabiesPodcast.com to listen to the podcast. If you want to watch the footage, go to uh, the YouTube channel at Alien Babies Podcast. And, uh, yeah, so, man, yeah, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff in the sky. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. I live in a weird, a weird UFO hotspot. I've seen not only UFOs and orbs and objects, but weird lights and, um, you know, weird wormhole portal things and creatures and this octopus jellyfish thing and. Just the inter interdimensional entity creature being thing that I spoke about on last week's podcast episode. Um, that was episode two. So if you want to check that out, um, that was an incredible, incredible sighting. It was beautiful. It was incredible. I just, I couldn't believe that I saw that. Like, God. What is this life? What is what is all of this? When there's things out there like that flying around and they're just vanishing into thin air. Like, what could that be? I don't know. Maybe, maybe when our time is up on this planet and, you know, maybe we'll find out where we go from here, if anywhere. Maybe we'll find out when our time comes. Well, either way, we'll find out. There will either be nothing but black. Or it'll be like a crazy DMT trip. You know, they say. They say, um. Right before you die. Your brain releases a ton of DMT. And if you're not familiar with DMT, uh, check it on YouTube. You know, Joe Rogan talks about DMT. He's done it a bunch of times. Mike Tyson. You know, people describe these incredible experiences they have where they swear they literally, uh, they feel like they're strapped to a rocket and they just take off to other dimensions and they can't even explain where they go or what this thing is, but it's like a constantly moving thing that they experience and everyone just about has the same uh experience they go to like different worlds or times meet creatures and aliens and stuff like that um it's it's fascinating 
So maybe when we die, we get this burst of DMT. And it takes you and it's like a portal to somewhere else for your soul, for your consciousness. Yeah. So like, okay. So let's say you have a near death experience and you die for a minute, a couple minutes or something, or your heart stops for a few seconds, but the doctors bring you back to life. Let's say you experience something incredible like that. Your brain floods your body with a bunch of DMT because it thinks you're dying or about to die and you're supposed to transition to somewhere else. So you get flooded with this DMT. You go somewhere, but the doctors bring you back to life. And you come back and you tell people about this crazy experience. You saw a light. You heard a voice. You felt that peace. You know, you saw something beautiful, a black that you've never seen before, some kind of blackness, but it was beautiful and you can't even describe it. But then you come back. Is that DMT flooding your brain? Is that you going somewhere? Are you just hallucinating and it means nothing? Uh, I, I guess we'll find out one day, a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, when technology advances far enough and we can better understand what this whole experience is, what the consciousness is. And maybe we'll find out that, yeah, it's literally just hallucinations. It's not, you're not going anywhere to another world, time, planet, meeting aliens. It's just straight up hallucinations that seem so real. And this is why they seem real. And then maybe it'll turn out that that's a lie, that that's just propaganda. We're just being fed some stories so people don't know the truth. Maybe we really do go somewhere. Maybe the DMT does take you to a whole new dimension, to a whole new world. Or maybe those are just not even proper words and definitions that I'm describing these things. Maybe we don't have, uh, you know, it. maybe we don't have it in our vocabulary to describe these places or things maybe it's not even a place maybe it's not even a thing it's just something that we can't describe and comprehend with our current level of you know awareness and intelligence and um yeah super fascinating um i haven't stargazed in a while well, I, that's not true. I've been stargazing a little bit for like a few minutes here and there or so, but not, I haven't sat down. I literally have not sat down in a chair to stargaze and stare at the moon and the stars for two or three hours at a time like I normally used to because I used to stargaze for up to 15 hours per week which is a long time because I would stargaze for two to three hours at a time. And I haven't done that in so long. I, I don't even know why. I know that most of the time I've been busy, you know, I quit my nine to five job about what, like a year and a half ago. And I've been investing 80 to 100 hours per week into myself building my websites that I'm going to launch soon, experimenting with comment, um, content, experimenting with YouTube channels, filming things, acting, designing stuff, uh, creating things. 
So that's been taking a lot of my time, and I've been sacrifice, sacrificing, stargazing, and UFO hunting. But I will be launching my websites soon, my two websites, In-House Alien, which is the Alien Advertising Agency, and Outhouse Alien, which is the, the merch, the t-shirts, the space jackets that I make, the Alien TV is on there, UFO Hunt Experience is on there. Um, that's where, you know, maybe I'll have some, a group of people come and UFO hunt with me in a group setting in a UFO hotspot. And there's other, other services for the UFO hunt experience on there as well. But yeah, as soon as I get, I launch those two websites, I'll have a lot more time to start focusing on creating content and filmmaking and do all those, all these other ideas that I have uh swirling around in my in my head and i've been talking so much on this podcast that i feel like i'm starting to lose my voice or something like that you know i'm just like damn so yeah it's probably a great time to wrap up this podcast i'm gonna take uh, a few minute break post some pictures on social media, let people know that I'm about to go live on the Alien Babies podcast. And uh, then I'm going to go live. So if you want to tune into IG, um, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, I'll be answering questions. So DM me your questions, suggestions for the podcast. What do you think sucked? What did you love? What can I improve upon? You know, just trying to get better every week. That's all. And uh, yeah, Maylene Babies, uh, stay tuned for episode four coming next week. And yeah, keep watching the skies. If you got some cool footage or pictures you want to send me, you want me to check out, make a video about, talk about, uh, I would love to see it. And and uh, yeah, let me know what you thought about this sexy red bathrobe. And yeah, don't get abducted by UFOs. Uh, be safe. Be smart. Be kind. Be kind to one another. Be respectful. Be thoughtful. And take care of the people that you love in your life. We can all be a little nicer, a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more, a little bit more caring. So, yeah, my alien babies, uh, keep w looking at the skies, keep doing stargazing, keep meditating. Uh, let me know if you see any UFOs or any ghosts or any other strange paranormal phenomena in the sky. And um, and yeah, have a good day, have a good night, wherever you're at. I never know how to end these things, these podcasts. But, ah, uh, you know what? Let me play a little outro music. How about that? And where's my outro? Oh, it's just intro music. Ah, screw it. Get you a little intro, intro music.